It was round about this time of year, 38 years ago, that I received Christ. It was at a baptism service. The minister gave an appeal and I felt a sense of compulsion to get up and go forward to the front of church. There was a sense of it being now or never about it. And when I went forward, I thought perhaps I would say something about feeling I should get baptised. But the words that actually came out of my mouth were, I think I want to become a Christian. That decision, all those years ago, was a potentially life-changing moment for me. That moment of decision created an opportunity for my life to develop in an entirely different direction. It needed to. In the preceding months when I'd been thinking about becoming a Christian, I remember feeling as if I was on a train and I'd missed getting off at the right station and now I was heading the wrong way and there was nothing I could do about it. That decision to receive Christ entailed putting my life into God's hands and allowing him to write the script for my life. And I can honestly say that nothing has been the same since and I've never regretted it. But at that moment when I went forward, it was still only a potentially life-changing decision. I say that because it's all too easy, actually, to, to say some words, to join in with doing church for a while, to fit in with a friendship group for a period of months or maybe even years, but then gradually to allow all that just to evaporate and to fade and to disappear. It's always a danger, and it's always a tragedy. That's why, when he wrote to the Colossians, Paul told them that as they had received Christ, brilliant, fantastic, so they had to make sure that now they walked in him. They were rooted and built up in him. That they were confirmed and established in the faith as they had been taught, and that they were overflowing with thankfulness. Paul mixes his metaphors dreadfully here. If you want to understand what does it mean to walk in Christ, his next reference is to being rooted in him, and things that are rooted don't walk anywhere. And being rooted is an agricultural metaphor, and that's followed by a building metaphor, that of being built up on foundations. And then you get a metaphor from the world of commerce, where a bond or contract relating to the transfer of goods or property is confirmed, established. The NIV translates it strengthened. So in terms of consistency, his language is all over the place. But you get the gist, clearly enough. Receiving Christ is only the first step. A decision that needs to be implemented in a lifelong commitment to discipleship. It's that daily living out of our faith that Paul seeks to express by the metaphor of walking in Christ. The NIV ditched the metaphor altogether and goes for continuing to live in Christ instead. But the point is that our faith is only worth a candle if it's lived out on a daily basis. I bought Sue some new walking boots last year and she was very appreciative of them, but I would have been disappointed if she just left them wrapped up in the box. Boots need to be worn and walked in. And it's the same with our faith. Jesus needs to become part of who we are and how we live on a daily basis. As you receive Christ, so walk in him. Make him part of your daily living. Establish him as your companion on your journey through life.
And if we mean business about being about our faith, if we mean business about our faith, then we need to be rooted in Christ. Oh, I love that picture of the roots that Marion showed, all of them. <coughs> Receiving Christ is like planting a seed of faith in our hearts. Over time, that seed needs to grow, and it grows by putting down roots, and the roots are the means by which it survives and flourishes. If we are deeply rooted in Christ, then there will be nothing superficial about our faith. And our faith will be a direct source of our personal stability in uncertain and changeable times. If we are deeply rooted in Christ, then the storms of life will not dislodge us. If we are deeply rooted in Christ, then our Christian faith becomes part of who we are. It's something that defines us as people. If we are deeply rooted in Christ, then he resources the inner strength we need for daily living. Just as a plant draws up nourishment and moisture from its roots, so we receive our resources from Christ. Generally speaking, a plant without roots will die. If you want to live life in all its fullness, if you want life that lasts forever, you need to be rooted in Christ, who is the source of life. And that doesn't happen unconsciously. It's a matter of spending each day, some time, committing that day to Jesus in prayer. Finding at least a few moments to read and reflect on his word. Making sure that you are consciously connected to him in your mind. So that you don't end up living each day as if he didn't even exist. Put your spiritual roots deep down into Jesus. Because if you do, then you will grow. And growth is the focus of the next metaphor, of being built up in Christ. The image is one of building on foundations. Making room for Christ in your heart is like allowing God to dig foundations into the depths of your soul. So receiving Christ is like the first and essential step. But no one likes living in excavated foundations. The point of foundation is that you build on them. And if you receive Christ, then God wants to build on that in your life. And it doesn't matter how long ago you receive Christ. That process of construction is always going on. We never reach a point this side of glory where God steps back and says, job done. All the time, God is building our character, our ministry, our life, our future. And all of it built on the secure and firm foundation of Christ. So let's recognise that discipleship is a lifelong process. We are constantly being built up. We never reach the point where we can say we've arrived, we've got it sussed. All of us need to be wearing that little badge which says, please be patient with me. God hasn't finished with me yet. And if you object to that idea and think, actually, I've pretty much well got it sorted then that mindset is one of the things that God actually wants to put a massive amount of work into changing. We are all of us in the process of being built up under construction. And God never stops working to change us for the better. Rooted in Christ, built up continually in Christ. Then Paul talks about being strengthened in the faith, or established in the faith, or confirmed in the faith. The point being, he wants faith to be sufficiently strong to be unwavering. If faith is 
firmly rooted in Christ, it will be sturdy and strong as it grows and develops. If a building is solidly constructed, it will stand firm. If a contract is sealed by a reputable guarantee, then the deal goes through. Our faith is rooted in Christ. Our faith is built up in Christ. Our faith is strengthened in Christ. And Christ is the source of that rooting and that building up and that strengthening. Our faith matters because of who it's in and our faith is in Christ. He is the source of our stability. He is the source of our growth. He is the source of our strength. Our faith in him is not misplaced. Because our faith is in him, he is the one who will establish, confirm and strengthen us. But that happens as we put our faith into practice each day. And the best way to nourish our faith is through the scriptures. It's not a matter of willing ourselves to believe something on a daily basis, but as we allow scripture to inform our minds on a daily basis, so our faith will grow. It need not be a a full-blown 30 or 40 minute Bible study, though that's brilliant if you can do it, but maybe on busy days, just a few moments with a verse you can carry with you and make the basis of your prayers for whatever situation you face. Because as Paul says in his letter to the Romans, faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the word of God. That's why here in Colossians he talks about being strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Our faith is strengthened as we allow the word of God to teach us. Part of the problem these days is that books are going out of, fa- out of fashion. A few years ago, concern was expressed that as many as three in ten children do not own a book of their own. And this has a detrimental effect on their liter- literacy and their learning potential. And for a faith that is grounded in the word of God, as ours is, this could be a problem. But there's nothing new in this, actually. Chrysostom was Archbishop of Constantinople at the beginning of the 5th century. And one of his sermons was about Jesus meeting the woman by the well of Samaria. This is a lengthy excerpt from what he said. Let us now, after this, be ashamed and blush, he says. A woman who'd had five husbands and who was of Samaria was so eager concerning doctrines that neither the time of day nor her having come for another purpose or anything else led her away from inquiring on such matters. But we not only do not inquire concerning doctrines, but towards them all our dispositions are careless and indifferent. Therefore everything is neglected. For which of you, when in his house, takes some Christian book in hand and goes over its contents and searches searches the scriptures? None can say that he does so. But with most we shall find drafts and dice and books nowhere except among a few. And even these few have the same dispositions as the many, for they tie up their books, keep them always put away in cases. And all their care is for the fineness of the parchments and the beauty of the letters, not for reading them. What gain, tell me, is this? The scriptures were not given us for this only, that we might have them in books, but that we might engrave them on our hearts. I desire that from those books you convey the letters and sense into your understanding, so that it may be purified when it receives the meaning of the writing. For if we understand what is read, we shall hear it with much readiness. 
I'm always saying this and will not cease to say it. Is it not strange that those who sit by the market can tell the names and families and cities of charioteers and dancers and the kinds of power possessed by each and can give an exact account of the good or bad qualities of the very horses? But those who come hither should know nothing of what is done here, but should be ignorant of the number even of the sacred books. So, do you have a Bible? How often do you read it? Did a survey for the Bible Society once, knocking on people's doors. Do you have a Bible? Most houses did. Do you read it? Well, it's on the shelf somewhere. I really don't know. Yeah, no, um, no, no. We have it, but do we access it? If we have it, but we don't read it, the danger is we end up walking through life without reference to Christ, and then our roots will be shallow. God's work in building your life will be delayed and your faith will be weak. The decision to receive Christ is the most important decision that anyone can ever make. After all, our eternal destiny depends on it. It can and should be a life-changing decision, one that changes who we are and how we live here and now as the one in whom we put our faith shapes and moulds our characters and guides the whole direction of our lives. And it is a change for the better. Paul's desire is that who we are and how we live should be grounded in our knowledge of what God has done for us. And what has God done? He spells it out in chapter 1. God rescued us from the dark power of Satan and brought us into the kingdom of his dear Son who forgives our sins, sets us free. God himself was pleased to live fully in his son and God was pleased for him to make peace by sacrificing his blood on the cross so that all things in heaven and on earth would be brought back to God. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies and you did evil things. But his son became a human and died. So God made peace with you And now he lets you stand in his presence as people who are holy and faultless and innocent. But you must stay deeply rooted and firm in your faith. So why do we bother? Why does our faith matter to us? Why not just cruise through life spiritually? Because all that God has done for us God's grace towards us, his love for us, the salvation he's given to us. All these things provide the reason and motivation for living our lives for him. Everything we do is a response to God's grace. Paul says, let gratitude to God for all that he has done be the fuel that powers the development of your faith. Be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let thankfulness be the motivation and the reason and the energy that drives everything else. Thankfulness to God for what he's done. It's all too easy for Christians to fall into a kind of guilt trap. The good news is that God loves you and forgives you. So on this basis, this is how you should live your life. But we don't quite manage to live our lives like that. And because we don't walk with Christ as we should, and we don't put our roots deep down into him or allow him to build up our lives or establish our faith, we end up feeling guilty all over again. Because we haven't been the Christians we feel we should be. 
it may be an effort to forestall that happening. But Paul challenges the Colossians to make sure that their faith grows and develops and ends his exhortation by encouraging them to allow gratitude to overflow out of their hearts. Because the secret to living the Christian life doesn't reside in beating yourself up because you haven't had a quiet time this week. The secret of living the Christian life is never losing, losing sight of what Jesus has done for you and how much you mean to him. When you first received Christ, I suspect you were really grateful to him for being your saviour, for loving you, for forgiving you, for accepting you, for turning your life around, for giving you eternal life, for putting you in touch with God. Nothing's changed. That that same gratitude that impelled you to welcome Christ into your life be the reason why you live out your faith this week. And if your motivation is wearing thin, that may be because the pressures of this life are crowding out a sense of God's goodness. If you're one of those people who sits down and thinks, oh, don't know, don't know where to start when it comes to prayer. Start by looking for something you can thank God for. And let that growing sense of gratitude fuel your ongoing discipleship. Yes, being a Christian is a lifelong process. But from start to finish, Jesus is your saviour. And because he is your saviour, we have every reason to be grateful to him and to express that gratitude by how we live our lives. He's your saviour. So walk in him. Be rooted in him. Be built up in him. Be established and confirmed in your faith. And let that gratitude in your heart to him for what he's done, let that overflow and inform and motivate every part of your life. Let's pray. Lord, living the Christian life can be hard work sometimes. And it's easy to lose sight of you. It's easy for everything else to crowd you out, for the pressures of time actually to dominate our agendas and our priorities. But you never leave us. As we walk through life, help us to recognise your presence at our side. Help us to stay rooted in you. Build us up in you. Confirm and establish our faith. Because if you don't, it will remain weak. Give us a hunger for your world. The recognition that we need that nourishment that it brings. And Lord, when we come here on a Sunday and we worship you and we, we express our love for you and our gratitude to you for what you have done and who you are, Lord, may that stay with us in this coming week. May gratitude overflow out of our hearts.
to bless your name and inspire our living. For we ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen.